Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode here at Stories of Essence. We are really happy to have you with us today. I'm Daniel. And I'm Gabby. And we are your hosts. Thank you guys for listening. And you might have heard it. There is a little bit of a switch up today. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go through it and I will ask all the questions to Gabby. So I'm the one who's prepared. <laughs> Are you guys ready for a little different format of the episode? Yeah. Daniel is on a secret mission today. So he is recording through a remote location that we cannot disclose. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I signed an NDA. <laughs> but no. Um, we hope you guys had like a really good last weeks and enjoyed eating all of the turkey leftovers from Thanksgiving. And we are really hyped for the Christmas season that's coming up. Our tree is already set up. And what are you excited for, Gabby? Um, I don't know, actually. Um... I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> Michigan winter. Um, I think Michigan winters are so much better than German winters. <gasps> Honestly, oh I mean, God. I know this is like kind of controversial. Um, people in Michigan are telling me like, yeah, no, like Michigan winters are bad. But I honestly have to say like, you don't know bad unless you've gone to a German winter because here it's like it's a winter but it's sunny you have sun sometimes and i mean there's not a lot of it but there is some of it in germany it's like gray all the time it's gray in the winter in the spring in the fall in the summer like it's just very gray and i love having the sun here and our coffee shop that we go to is all decorated so it's nice and cozy there that's nice. Okay, let's dive into this week's resources for the podcast. No Limits, 19th Century Europe Was Not a Woman by Maria Zucker. Marie Curie by Robert William Reed. The Encyclopedia of World Biography. Next up, we have History of Radiation Biology by Kadamakis D and several others. We have Marie Curie, Scandal and Recovery, 1910 to 1913, Part 2, American Institute of Physics, and Carrying Forward Marie's Curie Legacy in the 21st Century, published by The Hill, by Susan Blumenthal and Emily Stark. All right, let's start off with her early childhood. Um, she was born Maria Sklodowska, born in November on the 7th in 1867 in Warsaw, Poland, as the youngest of five children. Both of her parents were teachers. Unfortunately, paternal and maternal side of the family both lost the majority of their property, leaving them with very little. In 1876, her eldest sister, Sophia, died of typhus, and two years later, her mom passed away caused by tuberculosis. So she was only 11 years old when she made 
one of the first big decisions for herself um, that's going to be affecting the rest of her life. She turned her back on religion after facing those two traumatizing events, losing her sister and her mom. And from my perspective, this is probably one of the reasons that she went down the whole path of science, um, basically parting with religion. Um, on top of her own decision to <laughs> go away from God and from religion, um, both of her parents were actually teachers so she really was set up for uh, success in school she was a role model and a role model student and her father used to bring all type of laboratory equipment um, from schools where he used to work at um, back home which spiked early interest in experiments and physics um, for marie uh, marie ended attended a gymnasium and graduated in 1883. She was also fluent in French, German, and Russian, which is quite an achievement, to be honest, at that time in history. Even nowadays, I barely know anyone that's speaking more than two languages at the same time. Um, so, yeah, the only person that's cooler than Marie Curie is Gabby, because she knows English, Spanish, German, French, and are you secretly studying anything that I'm not aware of yet? Um, I did tell Sonia from our last episode, for those of you who tuned in, um, that I am trying to learn Italian as her graduation present. Let's dive into her details after she graduated from school. Um, after she graduated, she bridged some time by tutoring um, before officially becoming involved with the flying university which by no means was a regular school um, the classes were secretly held in apartments and the idea was to educate young polish women and during that time the warsaw area was really russia dominated and higher education for women was not really available and was not wanted by the government and by the overall perception in the population. So this flying university was really the only way that young women would be able to somehow gain more knowledge and study in groups in secret. <laughs> Isn't that crazy, Gabby? Imagine you have to like, sneak out and be a bad girl and then you go studying <laughs> according to my mom that's what i did and that was like the furthest thing from the truth she still thinks i did that to this day um but yeah coming from a girl who definitely just did a lot of nerdy stuff in high school i can definitely say that no i i did not ever sneak out of my house mostly because our mom instilled the fear of God in us since we were very little. So I don't think I would have done it anyway. Through <laughs> the life stories, love it. Um, Marie also had her sister, Bronislava, on her side um, because she was also participating in the Flying University. And just to give you guys some reference when it comes to history and the era of time, the 
female labor force participation at that time. It's really hard to, to get some data, but what I found out is at least for the US, the female labor force participation was below 20%. And in Europe, it was expected to be a little higher. And then looking into the share of female students in academic fields, in Germany, I found that it was around that time at 8%. And that's below 10%. So I mean, that's really crazy. Um, and those 8% can also be applied for Prussia. And Prussia is basically the, um, the kingdom that she, Marie, grew up in. Because Prussia is the place that's uh, it's kind of like a combination of Poland, Germany and Austria, but was a, this part of Poland nowadays. And uh, I found some nice research and I really want to quote a sentence from our resources that will give you a good insight on where women in society stood and why almost all of the science was driven by men at that time. A woman was considered a permanent minor by legislation in force at the time. The education received by well-born women did not withstand confrontation with the reality outside the classroom, exposing the superficiality of education and the lack of basic skills. Music, painting, foreign language and social skills lessons were only useful at afternoon tea parties but did not offer a chance to take up any occupation, making independent living almost impossible what do you think about that yeah that's that's very interesting you basically just got like taught the ethics on how to behave in front of your husband how to take care of your kids it's so different compared to what you can do nowadays and just like how everything evolved right only the lowest class women, unmarried women in the countryside or factory workers, um, really took up employment. Other than that, women were not part of the labor force. Um, the usual education for girls and women was tailored towards household work, child and child care. And only in the second half of the 19th century, um, the usual education for girls and women was usually tailored towards household work. Childcare arose only in the second half of the 19th century and higher education arose at the end of the 19th century. You can already see how different Marie's path is compared to the usual picture of a woman back then. Women were supposed to take care of the household and other things pursuing knowledge could harm her ability to prioritize her responsibilities by the way the polish women gained their right to vote in 1918 coming back to marie the next couple of years she spent her time with private tutoring of middle-class families in warsaw and became governess to the children of the Zorowski family, where she fell in love with the oldest child. However, marriage was denied since the social status of both families was too far apart and the um, parents of 
the guy she fell in love with did not consent to the marriage. Um, in 1889, she moved back to her father and continued to work as a private tutor. From time to time, she was authorized to conduct a few experiments in a laboratory at the University of Warsaw. However, she had her older sister, Bronislava, and this girl really pushed her. Um, she asked Marie if she would like to join her abroad and start a new life in Paris. Um, so, and that's the reason why her name transitioned from Maria to Marie. That's her name that she put down when she registered for the university. So she started her studies of physics, chemistry, and mathematics at the University of Paris in 1891, along with Marie, female students made up only 2% at the university. Baby, you know what that reminds me of? It literally yeah. gives me flashbacks on when I was studying mechanical engineering. So we had our class was like 25 to 30 students and guess how many girls have been in there? 13. 13? No, <laughs> way too much. Go lower. Five? I think it was three or four. That's so, crazy because, you know, like my best friends, you know, like Sonia and our friend Kat and our friend Lucy, they're all biomechanical engineers and they're incredibly smart. And a lot of their friends, like when I have visited them at the lab, it's a lot of girls and like two guys. So I think maybe it's just like within the last couple of years, times have changed a lot hopefully i mean that's what we're doing the podcast we gotta get you all inspired for science um maybe the class and that arts i attended and literature and everything not just science but not making sure science, that there's also... space for you like in every table there's room for you at every table that's for sure that's the podcast that's right that's right all right. Um, during her time in Paris, she was barely able to make a living. So she studied during the day and had to tutor in the evening and was spread super thin. Anyway, in 1893, she was awarded her degree in physics and began to work in an industrial lab. And shortly after that, she was introduced to her future husband-to-be, Pierre Curie. She was introduced to Pierre by a Polish physician as she was looking for a larger laboratory to carry out her studies. Pierre Curie was an instructor at the City of Paris Industrial Physics and Chemistry Higher Educational Institution, ESPCI, short. <laughs> Over time, their mutual interest in science brought them together and they started to develop feelings for each other. Pierre proposed to her, but she declined his first attempt as she planned on going back to Poland. Um, and that made Pierre pretty sad. Um, however, during her summer trip back to Poland in 1894, um, where she visited family, she was denied to continue her research at the Krakow University. So she wanted to come back, leave France and 
go to Poland again to also be closer to her family, but they said no. And you can really see um, how women are struggling, trying to pursue a career in scientific fields or just finalizing their, their studies and keeping everything together. Um, but nevertheless, she had her drive that motivated her and she had the support from Pierre who convinced her to come back to Paris and to pursue a PhD. Let's go. The boat married on the 26th of July in 1895 in the suburbs of Paris. They did not have any religious service for their wedding. Both relied only on science rather than God. With Pierre as her husband, she had a great scientific collaborator on her side, which opened a lot of possibilities for her because he was also um, working for a university. So he had a lot of contacts um, in any type of way that you can think of when it comes to research and the uh, field of research and so on. Even though Marie was a renowned physicist, she was still trying to establish herself as a teacher. In 1896, she took the Certificate of Aptitude for Teaching Young Women Mathematics. Isn't it interesting that even the education or like certifications for education were based on gender back then? It was like, oh no, this is like a certificate that you get for teaching women. I don't really know what the background was except for the segregation, but feels or uh, sounds really weird putting it, it in is nowadays. Really weird. It is context, really weird. Right? And I, I just want to say like, there are so many women who definitely went out of their way to make sure that we are way ahead of them now. Um, and that's something that I'm really thankful for to all the women and our predecessors before us who have fought for our space and places and our rights. Thank you. And that's definitely what Marie uh, stood for. Well, maybe there has been the differentiation between men and women when it comes to mathematics. So that's why we are blessed nowadays with girl math. October 1900, Marie finally was named lecturer of physics for the first and second year students at the Higher Education Institute of École Normale Supérieure for Young Women. And besides that, in 1897, she started her doctorate in physics that her husband talked her into. And now we are slowly getting into the direction on which leads us to her Nobel prizes that she won. Um, inspiration for her doctorate in physics came from the discovery of X-rays by Wilhelm Röntgen and uranium salts, which emitted rays that resembled X-rays in their penetrating power. And this was discovered by Henri Becquerel. Curie decided to dedicate herself to look into the uranium rays. But let's not forget about her husband. He and his brother invented a version of the electrometer to measure electric charge 15 years prior to that. And Marie used this device to measure electricity in the air around an 
uranium sample and found out two things. The radiation comes from the atom material itself and is not triggered by anything external. And this is also very important. It is the taking away the argument that atoms are indivisible. And the second one is that radiation is proportional to the quantity of uranium or material that you use to investigate on. Fast forward, she conducted further tests with different materials and basically began a systematic search for additional substances that emit radiation. In 1898, she discovered that thorium was radioactive too. And in the same year, her husband, Pierre Curie, was so inspired by her work that he decided to give up his work on crystals to join her. Marie also established the term radioactivity for the first time in like the scientific um, field of research. So anytime you hear radioactivity, think about the amazing scientist Marie Curie. Over the next couple of years, the couple Marie and Pierre proved the existence of the element they named polonium, um, which basically honors Marie's mother country, Poland. And they also discovered the element radium and or they named it radium and which is the latin translation for ray um, and the funny thing is pierre curie said the following thing in a report to the academy of science um, on the 18th of july 1898 we thus believe that the substance that we have extracted from pitch blend contains a metal never known before akin to bismuth in its analytic properties. If the existence of this new metal is confirmed, we suggest that it should be called polonium after the name of the country of origin of one of us. So I think that's so cool. You discover an element and you name it according to your uh, mother country. Gabby, how would you call a material that you would uh, find? Gabonium. Say that again. Gabonium. Gabonium. No, gabonium. Okay. Like Gabby. Oh, gab <laughs> gabonium. That's a good one. How would I name mine? Um... Nuggetonium. Nuggetonium. Thank you for helping me out here. That was, of course, the word that I was looking for. Um, yeah. So anyway, super cool, right? Um, that those guys just like had the chance to really name um, an atom or like a material based on whatever they wanted to. Um, yeah. An Over element. The... What did I say? An atom. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, sorry. Um, so how cool is it that the both of them had an element and they just named it whatever they wanted to? That's so cool. Um, over the next two years, from 1898 to 1902, they published more than 30 papers, um, including one that announced that when exposed to radium, deceased tumor-forming cells were destroyed faster than healthy cells. And I think you guys can guess where this is going. 
So this is a big leap when it comes to modern medicine, right? Because they understood or had the impression that radiation can kill cancer cells and kill tumor cells or diseased cells. And this type of stuff still gets used nowadays to take care of uh, tumors, for example. So the Koreas, unfortunately, did not patent their discoveries and they did not really benefit um, in any way um, from the profitable applications of radium um, for the therapy of various things. But let's keep in mind what they did. And I think the real takeaway here is good things and success take time and dedication. And I really think it's wonderful to have like a partner who supports you and your projects, your research and your dreams, because they really believe in you and the success in the long run. And that's what we are doing with this podcast too. So there are some similarities and uh, it's so cool that her husband like gave up his projects to do the research on because he understood like how important this stuff was that Marie was working on. So great couple inspiration though. In 1900, Marie became the first woman faculty member at the Ecole Normale Supérieure. And she was actually invited to the Royal Institution in London to give a speech about radioactivity. Um, but it was not her who was allowed to speak it was Pierre who was the one that was supposed to deliver the speech because women were prevented from speaking in such a plenum. And I think that's so crazy. Like imagine that like you're doing all this stuff and of course you're getting supported by your husband and then your husband and, and yourself get invited to a place and then they just tell you like, um, yeah, Pierre has to basically do the, <laughs> the speaking because for women it's not that usual to and do such things uh, that that's like so crazy to me like i really can't comprehend that to be honest <laughs> finally in 1903 marie curie defended her doctoral thesis for which she was awarded distinction and now it is time for her nobel prizes for those who don't know? Nobel Prizes are awarded by the Royal Swedish Academy of Science and the first time awards were handed out 1901. And now imagine this, this is even worse. Like you lead research about radiation for years and were supported by your husband. However, the committee for the nomination of the Nobel Prizes did only consider your husband to be awarded as a physicist Nobel Prize winner. And this is exactly what happened to Marie. So Pierre was mentioned um, as or potential physics Nobel Prize winner together with another guy. And Marie was not even on the nomination list for the physics Nobel Prize award. So only after Pierre Curie complained about it, the guys that were rating it put Marie on there. And I think 
that's I would say like totally outrageous. And you can really see like the u- universal understanding of people that like decide those nominations. They were simply not considering Marie because of her name. They saw okay, like she's a woman, like um, and important research couldn't be carried out by women, so they were not mentioning her. But I think it's I don't know. It's really weird to, to hear it like that, right? Um, but whatever. In 1903, Marie, her husband, and a third researcher, uh, Henri Becquerel, um, were awarded the Nobel Prize in Physics, worded as uh, following. In recognition of the extraordinary services they have rendered by their joint researches on the radiation phenomena discovered by Professor Henri Becquerel. Unfortunately, going forward in 1906, Pierre Curie died. Um, his death was caused by a struck of a horse-drawn vehicle, so it was not a pleasant death. Um, and Marie, from there onwards, was a singer. Um, however, the University of Paris offered her the chair uh, for the physics department, which was initially set up for her now dead husband. Um, this made her the first ever female professor at the University of Paris. So shout outs to the first ever female professor. In November 1908, she was a also awarded titular professor of physics and thus became the first female professor both at the university and in the whole of France. But her obsession with radium and radioactivity continued and so she had to continue her research. Um, And the the latest thing that she was working on was uh, international um, standard for measuring radium in the laboratory. And this led in 1911 to the honor of her second Nobel Prize, this time in the field of chemistry. And the the title of the recognition was In Recognition of Her Services to the Advancement of Chemistry by the Discovery of the Elements Radium and Polonium, by the Isolation of Radium and the Study of the Nature and Compounds of this Remarkable Element. Unfortunately, the recognition of the Nobel Prize came at the same time as some serious health concerns for Marie. She was diagnosed with kidney disease and could only go back to her lab several months after her surgery. So she had to take a break um, and step back right after um, taking her Nobel Prize. In 1913, Marie Curie finally finished her work when she deposited a sealed ampoule in a safe at the International Bureau of Weights and Measures. The ampoule contained a gram of radium chloride. This was the first radium standard known today as the Marie Curie standard. So that was what she was really working on, trying to isolate um, the, the element or the material and having like a certain sample size of it. Um, So both Marie and her husband significantly contributed to the modern medicine and gave the issue of radiation a leap forward. And this can even be extended to like nuclear energy in a broader sense and all the other things that are resulting off of that, right? Um, But she did more than that. She was not just involved in science, but also in human 
humanitarian um, aid, especially during the World War I um, on the front lines. So what she did for World War I was to basically invent and develop the so-called little Koreas. Um, and those little Koreas, in fact, were mobile radiography units used on wounded soldiers to, example, given check limbs that could be saved rather than amputated. Um, and in total, there have been around 220 of those units, and they were all directed by Marie Curie when she became the Red Cross Radiology Service Director. On top of that, Curie produced hollow needles containing radon to sterilize infected tissue. And it is estimated that over a million soldiers were treated with her X-ray units that she provided and developed um, for the war. She even wrote a book about the wartime experience she had um, called Radiology in War, published in 1919. Uh, of course, then, after the war, Marie Curie became even the more public figure, and um, she was traveling the world to raise funds to um, continue her research on radium and to just make it the whole new area of science a broader thing. So she met with President Warren G. Harding in 1921, um, and he was the U.S. president. So she was living in France and she traveled to the U.S. back then. That was a pretty big deal. Um, in addition, she managed and guided several researchers of different institutions, um, and this led to those guys that or women that she coached and managed. Um, some of them had um, also been awarded for Nobel Prizes. So she was really involved in the background in the scientific area and was trying to not only research, but also lead and be a leadership person, which I think is such a good thing to do. So she was really active on the whole spectrum of things. Um, and Besides that, Marie also became a member of several institutions. Um, one of them was the International Committee on Intellectual Cooperation. Um, and in this committee, Albert Einstein was part two. So really cool, like what type of connection she made and really like this emphasizes on really the level that she was playing globally on the level of Albert Einstein, that's like pretty decent, right? Um, and then unfortunately, Marie passed away in 1934 in Poland and the influence, it is expected that the influence um, of the exposure to x-rays and the radiation caused by that um, played a role in her death because she died at 66, which was not young, but still she was in contact with like x-rays and then like the radiation and all those things so gabby what do you think about our character of today's story marie curie the crazy scientist that had two nobel prizes in two different areas which is very specific and there are very few people that actually received two nobel prizes in two different categories physics and chemistry well i think one winning two Nobel Prizes is amazing. Um, it's definitely a 
well-deserved prize and a great feat to be able to not have just only one but two and I mean amazing her contributions have saved so many people's lives have helped us advance into so many different arenas in technology in health in just just so many things um that we have benefited from that I think we owe a lot to um Marie Curie and and I also think that it just goes to show you that how incredibly amazing women are just that after so many things of telling her no she persisted and um as we have on the graphic of our podcast well-behaved women seldom make history so <laughs> break the rules with intention because that's that's amazing absolutely so if you break the rules of course do it for a good cause um, and i think marie absolutely did that so trying to just recapturing like all the things that she did like and really what the implications are for today she laid the foundation for cancer treatment she was an incredible researcher and scientist she did so many things so many different institutions even now there are institutes named after her pushing the research on radiation and uh, elements still uh, really nice she established herself in the male-dominated world in research publishing and public appearances she was and still is an inspiration for all women who want to study in one of the STEM fields, science, technology, engineering, or mathematics. And I think that's just so cool. And she was on top of that, not only a scientist and really good with the details, but she was also an incredible leader and a contributor to society by leading people, but also creating innovative products that helped help to save lives during wartime and i had no idea but apparently i found out when i was looking for some pictures there's also a movie about her um, it was released in 2019 i didn't watch it yet um, it's of course called marie curie so maybe you guys have to put that on your watch list anything else you want to add gabby um no i think that you did a great job Thank you so much, Gabby, but also thank you guys for listening to this episode. I uh, really enjoyed going through this episode with you guys. Let us know if you uh, enjoyed that episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and of course, give us a like or rate our podcast. Um, you can always reach out to us via email if you want to give us any type of inspiration. You can also reach out via Instagram. Um, and our name is stories of SS on Instagram and the email address is story of at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining us today and have a great rest of your week. I'm Daniel. And I'm Gabby. Bye guys. Thank you. Cheers. Bye.